Thank you, choir, for that beautiful anthem. Follow me. And that is what our scripture text is about this morning. Our scripture text comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. Let us hear God's word. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. At first glance, our gospel lesson this morning seems out of place. This story takes place at the Festival of Dedication, Hanukkah, which is the 25th of the Jewish month of Chislu that corresponds with our December. It is a few months before the events of Holy Week, before Jesus' death on the cross, and before his resurrection. As a matter of fact, the events in this story lead to the events of the past several weeks. So why has this text been placed for us to study on the fourth Sunday of Easter? The last two Sundays, we have seen that Jesus has risen indeed. We have seen the promise that he made that in three days he would rise has come true. And the physical fact of the resurrection has been demonstrated very clearly these last Sundays. So today we take it a step backward in order to see what the resurrection means for our daily living. We need to go back to those texts to see how Jesus' resurrection affects our lives today. The story begins with Jesus walking along the portico of Solomon in the temple. It was a cold day. In fact, John says it was winter. This meant that the wind came in from the east, and it was raw, and it was cold. And Jesus was walking in the part of the temple that was enclosed, which sheltered him from that raw east wind. As he walked and meditated, a group of Jews came to him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? Tell us plainly, are you or are you not God's promised anointed one? 
Now, there is no doubt that behind that question were two attitudes of mind. There were those who genuinely wished to know. They, they were filled with wonder and eager expectation. But there were others who, beyond a doubt, asked the question in a tone of impatience and as a trap. They wished to deceive and entice Jesus into making a statement which could be twisted either into a charge of blasphemy with which their own courts could deal or a charge of insurrection with which the Roman governor would deal. Jesus responds by telling them that he has already told them who he was. True, he had not done so in so many words, but there are some claims which do not need to be made in words, especially to an audience as well qualified as were the Jews to perceive them. There are two things about Jesus which place his claim beyond all doubt, whether he stated it in words or not. First, there were his deeds. Isaiah prophesied in his writings, saying, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. Every one of Jesus' miracles was a claim that the Messiah had come. And secondly, there are his words. Moses forecast that God would raise the prophet up who must be listened to. The very tone of authority with which Jesus spoke, the way in which he regally fulfilled the old law and put his own teaching in its place was a claim that God was speaking in and through him. The words and deeds of Jesus were a continuous claim to be the anointed one of God, which was to be the Hebrews' Messiah and the Gentiles' Christ. But the group of Jews had either not listened or had rejected what Jesus was saying and doing. So Jesus responds by saying, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me. And if you do not believe my words, you don't even believe my works. And for the, my works are done in my Father's name. If you can't believe my words and if you can't believe my works, then you don't belong to me. You are not one of my sheep. For if you were one of my followers, you would understand my words. You would see in my actions that I want to take care of you, that I, I want to give you eternal life, that I do indeed love you. Jesus, the shepherd, wants to take care of the sheep. In the highlands of Scotland, sheep would often wander off into the rocks and get into places that they couldn't get out of. The grass on these mountains is very sweet, and the sheep like it. And they will jump down 10 to 12 feet, and then they can't jump back up again. The shepherd hears them bleeding in distress, 
and they may be there for days until they have eaten all the grass. The shepherd will wait until the sheep is so faint it cannot stand. Then the shepherd will put a rope around the sheep and he will go over and he will pull that sheep up out of the jaws of death. Now you might wonder, why doesn't the shepherd go down there when the sheep first gets caught in distress? You see, the sheep would dash right over the high edge, over the cliff, and be killed And if the shepherd did try to rescue it at that time. Jesus also understands how we sometimes try to save ourselves instead of listening to his words and accepting his guidance and loving care. Jesus wants us to hear his words. He wants us to understand who he is for our lives. He wants us to to know and to believe that he is our shepherd and we are his sheep. He wants us to follow his voice. And he wants us to hear his words of peace, comfort, and assurance for our lives. On one of my visits with my daughter and her family in New Zealand, we were headed out for the day on a busy highway when suddenly traffic came to us, just a complete halt. And lo and behold, what we saw before us was absolutely astounding. All we could see were hundreds and hundreds of sheep packed tightly together on both sides of the road, moving slow, in slow, deliberate, and orderly formations. Looking closer, we could see two young men, one on each side of the highway, with their shepherd crook, gently guiding their massive herds across the busy roadway, and Opening the car windows, we could hear the baying of the sheep and the shepherds calling them. We couldn't help but wonder how they would ever keep all those sheep separated as they passed by each other on the road. As one shepherd began in a low voice calling his sheep to come, the other shepherd called his sheep in a a more forceful, higher tone voice. The two groups separated instinctively, following their own shepherd, and went their own way. The way those shepherds had stopped that traffic created a safe and secure crossing for their sheep. It made me think of how God had separated the Red Sea to let the Israelites through to safe ground on the other side. But beyond that, these sheep listened to the voice of their shepherd and with complete trust in him, followed his lead with unwavering obedience. In the same way, Jesus is telling us that he will protect his flock if only, if only we will listen for his voice, trust in him, and follow him obediently. Now, those sheep in New Zealand remain completely focused on their shepherd, whereas I think you and I can too easily become distracted in the rush of our modern world. Maybe we aren't deaf to the words of Jesus, and maybe we don't have a hearing problem as much as we hear what we want to hear 
and we tune out Jesus and tune in on all the sounds and words of the world as it rushes by. Maybe part of our problem is that we don't listen intently to the words because we haven't built a personal, trusting relationship with Jesus. And maybe the other part of the problem is we only listen to what we want to hear, and far too much of our listening is centered on the world and the the words of the world and not on Jesus. The Jews heard but did not believe. They saw his signs but did not get the message. We have heard Jesus' words down through the centuries, through the Bible, through preaching, through the sacraments, that Jesus is the Christ, the risen Lord. And we have seen his deeds as he has worked through the Holy Spirit in the lives of countless people. But still, still we have a difficult time centering our attention, our focus on the shepherd who wants to guide our lives. In one sense, we have an advantage of the Jews of Jesus' time. We have the whole story. We have seen in the scripture the witness to the resurrection, and we have seen the last two Sundays a powerful witness, and indeed, knowing Jesus is risen. So we should be able to trust in him, to follow him, and to believe in his lordship for our lives with greater conviction than those Jews who, who approached Jesus in the temple that day. But sadly, many people still doubt. Many people still do not trust. They do not trust Jesus as their shepherd and their savior. And many people, many are still looking, still searching for meaning and, and purpose in their lives. And they have found no one to help them with the burdens that they carry. Many are still wandering aimlessly in life with, with no direction and no, no goal, no idea of what to make of their life or what to accomplish with the God-given gifts that have been so generously given to them. Jesus wants us to ask him for help to ask him for help with our lives and the burdens of our lives. He wants us to surrender to him and to follow his voice and so that we might have eternal life. Jesus wants to give us direction in our lives, and he, he is the good shepherd who knows what is best for his sheep, and he is willing to provide for us in every way, if only if only we will let him, if only we will hear his voice amid the other sounds of our busy world, and if only we will focus in on that voice and tune out all the other voices that are distracting and calling to us. I'm wondering if you have ever watched an infant in a room with so much motion and stimulation that it appears chaotic and overwhelming. Then suddenly a baby's head will turn towards the source of its mother's voice. 
recognizing her voice over all the distractions. The infant knows its mother's voice even before it has the language to call out, Mama. And in the same way, I believe we can hear and know our Savior's voice even before we call out to him. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. The sheep don't have to intellectually know or theologically understand Jesus to follow him. It's not about us knowing Jesus. It is about Jesus knowing us. And it is more of an auditory and instinctive sound than the intellectual. It's deeper than our ability to describe. describe. It's deeper than words. I cannot help but believe that if we are intently listening to the voice of love and compassion, of forgiveness and grace, if we are honing in on the deepest, most authentic voice we can know and follow, we can be assured that it is Jesus, the voice of the Good Shepherd. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one, no one will snatch them out of my hand, for what my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. When I read these words of Jesus, I have to ask myself, whose voice am I listening to? Whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice are you following? Amen.